When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. As always, I got my co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. Guys, we are here to review a win. Finally glad to say it. The Jets were able to defeat the Texans 21-14 on Sunday on the road. Uh, I certainly did not predict them to win because I did not think they'd be very good on the road, but they actually played pretty well overall, uh, despite from a few mistakes here and there. But we're going to get into that. First off, uh, biggest story of the day, Zach Wilson obviously had his first game back and was definitely a little rusty. Vitor, you are the resident quarterback of the show. As always, go ahead. You've been getting into the film. Tell us what you've been seeing from the film on Zach Wilson. Well, honestly, not great. Zach came back from injury. We're all expecting him to improve. We're not expecting to be great, but just to improve on the little things, right? The mechanical things, the quick game stuff. And, and we saw more inaccuracy from Zach. We saw some bad mechanics. I don't know if the knee is impacting his legs, if he's afraid to just step into the throws. I really don't know. But right now, Zach Wilson is a mess, mechanically speaking. And I honestly believe it's a consequence of his mind. He's rushing everything. He's hesitating stuff. He's just a complete different player than we all saw in his college preseason evaluation with that said there were still some positives for wilson there was a third down he converted to ray griffin that despite happy feet he went back to his check down the fourth down to killing cole the defined throws to elijah more high low reads the very gutsy decision to take off in the end in the red zone robert salas said today there was no read option it was a defined run to austin water that wilson said i'm gonna take off so there were still some positives in his tapes in his tape but truth is right now zach wilson is not where we wanted him to be in week 12 of the nfl mechanically and on his mind the jets now have a tough game against the eagles with tough defense, and I know that the Texans are also good. Love Smith is a good DC. He played a lot of true high, which is always tough to play against because you can disguise so much. But Zach Wilson got improved. Got improved. Positives and negatives, but Wilson must improve against the, the Eagles this week. Yeah, I mean, it even looked like when he was making completions that the completions were not very accurate and not great passes. Uh, they were either behind or maybe uh, sailed a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it, he's got to work on things a lot. And I think that he just wasn't very confident in him, in his body. Like, he just looked uncomfortable at times. Um, I, maybe it's the knee. Uh, maybe it's just uh, not being in the game for a month. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, but he just didn't look comfortable. No, he didn't look comfortable at all. Uh, and I think the question on everybody's mind is what's wrong with Zach? And I'm not going to go uh, try and decipher exactly what's causing the problem. But I think, Vitor, you mentioned it on Twitter before, and I completely agree. Uh, we know what the problem is, and that's his footwork. His footwork in the pocket, when he when his first read is not open, 
it breaks down completely. And he's a very talented thrower. He's got a lot of arm talent and he can make some throws just with his arm. But we're seeing the inaccuracy because he's not setting his feet because he's trying to throw all arm. He's not getting his lower half and his upper half of his body in sync. And it's very hard to be an accurate thrower when you're throwing that way. Um, And we didn't see that at BYU. And I think it's because he didn't get pressured as much. And now that he's being pressured much more frequently, he's having to learn to keep his mechanics in sync and fluid while pressure is coming at him. And if he doesn't, he's going to keep missing these throws. And so I think the one thing, like I said, I'm not going to try and sit there and say, is it the knee? Is it not the knee? Is it, you know, specifically whatever it might be, but when he is pressured, his lower body breaks down and we've seen what it's like when his lower body is correct on the play action to more. Uh, that was one of his longer completions of the day uh, on a first down, his mechanics were perfect. And it looked like the Zach Wilson we're used to seeing. He was able to come out of the play action. He wasn't pressured. His first read was open steps into the throw, gets his back leg around quick release on target. Perfect ball. Good velocity it was great. And, and we know he's capable of that. He just needs to learn to be able to do that all the time. And the only way you're going to get better at that, quite honestly, is by playing through it, but it might get ugly before it gets better. And I think that's where as fans, everybody needs to take a step and realize that the improvement that we were hoping to see, we saw some of it. And I want to be very clear about that. He did not make any, in my opinion, any bad throws into coverage that we have seen before where he had either locked on his first read or pressure was coming late. And then he had the opportunity to just chuck it downfield and throw into a, a triple coverage. I didn't see any of that. I thought he was trying much better and did a much better job of taking care of the football. The problem was his accuracy was not there at all. And so we've seen Zach improve his mentality. He's taking what the defense gives him more on the pitch to Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson was looking at him when he started to pitch it. And then after that, he turned around. I'm not going to hold that against him. He had a throw to Barrios that should have been picked and it wasn't a bad decision. He just missed the ball. Um, That has been his issue. So he needs to dial in his footwork. He needs to dial in his lower body mechanics. I would be going through footwork drills and pressure drills. If you have to get the pool noodles out there and start banging on him while he's making throws, do what you got to do. But he's got to dial in his footwork under pressure because right now that is his biggest flaw. And it was not a flaw that he had in college, which means it's something that has been caused by the NFL. And it's something he's going to have to overcome. This is not uh, something that we saw before that he's still working on. This is a new issue now. And it's going to be really important that he fixes it. I saw a little hesitancy. Uh, There was the one play uh, in the red zone um, where it was a little whip route by Moore where he falls uh, yeah. But usually in the earlier in the season, I feel like Zach un, un, unloads that ball earlier uh, with an anticipation of more uh, and anticipation of the, the, the defensive backs uh, leverage. And this time he held, he held back. Uh, and maybe that's because of the game situation when he's in the red zone there, he doesn't, he wants to be sure. Uh, so maybe he is, uh, he did learn something. Maybe he did learn to be a little bit more hesitant. Uh, now, is this a good thing? Maybe in short term, uh, but eventually we want him to to feel loose out there. We want him to feel these throws and throw with more anticipation because in the end, that's what's going to lead to the big plays. I agree with everything you guys said, right? The footwork and your resumation is everything. I was watching every throw today and they're basically... There isn't one throw on tape where Zach Wilson is pointing his left foot to the target. You can live with it from time to time, but especially when you're throwing on the line on quick game, when you're putting a lot yeah. of zip into the ball, you need to be perfect. You need to point your left foot to your guy, and Zach isn't doing it. He's just aiming with his arm. like He's trying to basically get an extended handoff in a quick game, getting the ball into the receiver's hand. He cannot do it. You got to let it rip. He's got to let it rip and he's got to play with more confidence. That play to Elijah Moore understands that his, I understand that his lip right there, Elijah, but Zach can make that throw. Zach can make the throw. And again, I completely agree with you, Andrew, in the point that Zach didn't force any throw stupidly as he was doing before. Like there was no dumb ass decision throwing the ball into double coverage, right? Not at all. And there was a, there was a, ro- a rollout in the red zone that they're trying to get killing Cole in the back of the end. So there are three guys on it that he has 
Ryan Griffin as his return in the boot action. And then Wilson just throws it away. I was like, okay, he probably would have tried to fit it in there either to Griffin or to Cole early in the season. And that was the case throughout the game. He didn't force the football. Now he's got to find a middle term. That's what I think. Against New England, against Tennessee, he was like, let's go deep. Let's force it against Atlanta as well. And now he's like, okay, I cannot force the football. But I'm also really hesitant because I don't want to make any mistakes. And I don't want to play dangerous football. So I got to take care of the ball. He's got to find a middle term a middle ground right here for him in his game. It's going to come with time. It's It may take a while, Andrew, as you said. It may get a lot a m- lot more ugly before it gets pretty, but I-, I feel like he's on the right path. Yeah, because right now he's kind of a game manager with bad mechanics, and that's not exactly the best mix because, well, he's not going to be taking a lot of chances, so now he's going to be forced to do a lot of the short stuff, but at the same time, his mechanics aren't really allowing him to complete the short stuff. So against a team like maybe the Eagles, that could be a really bad thing for against the Texans. It might result in a win. It did result in a win, but uh, I, I don't see it holding up long-term. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think so either. Um, but right now, how I'm viewing this, n- taking things as they are and being very realistic, Zach Wilson is a project. And it is going to take some time to get him to the quality of play that we know he is capable of. And I do believe that he will get there. I really do. I haven't seen as down as the downs have been. I haven't seen anything from him that makes me think that there are any deficiencies to his game that are going to be ultimately limiting that he will not be able to overcome. I I truly believe that he is going to get better with time. The problem is it might take more time than we thought. And I think that is is what I'm coming to realize. And what I'm really settling into is this guy is going to have to learn the difference between playing quarterback in the NFL and playing quarterback at BYU. And what I was expecting from him was because he was so accurate, because he was such a quick processor, because his, he was so naturally talented athletically that he was going to be able to translate because I thought he was being able to outplay the competition more so than, than just realized. And I still think he's capable of doing that. I just think we're seeing what happens when you have a young kid that's very confident that goes in with high expectations and gets smacked in the mouth early and wasn't used to being smacked in the mouth for a year before. He's going to have to take time to get better, to learn under pressure, to find the middle ground. I think you said it perfectly, Vitor, because he he was trying and in, in a good way, like we're both saying, like we're all saying that he in a good way, he was managing the game better. He wasn't making any bad decisions or throwing into coverage or, you know, just doing the, the, the lob balls, the prayers that we saw before, especially against New England and Atlanta. He definitely didn't do any of that. But you also have to to marry that with the aggression when it's there. And I think that is what we're seeing with the Elijah Moore play is that in an ideal world, you want to be throwing that ball right as Elijah Moore is coming out of his break so that he can catch it in stride while he's getting separation on the defender, turn and get the corner, stick the ball in the end zone. You don't want to wait for him to be coming out of the break entirely and give the defender time to catch up or make Elijah Moore take a wider angle to the sideline where maybe he catches it. His momentum carries him out of bounds. Regardless of him slipping, you would like to see the ball out earlier. But that's something that I really think is going to come with time. That's something that I bet at the end of next season, Zach Wilson is doing in his sleep. I don't think that I'm much less worried about things like that than I am about his mechanics, because I think his mechanics can get into some really, really bad habits that become harder to clean up. And then you're trying to clean up your mechanics while also trying to learn to be quicker, uh, adjust to the speed of the game and everything else that comes with being an NFL quarterback. You don't want to have two problems at once. So I would be drilling his mechanics down as much as I physically could over these last couple of weeks, because you do not want to run the risk of him breaking. That's what happened to Sam Darnold when he got, uh, when he got with Adam Gase. His mechan- Sam Darnold's mechanics by the end of his first season were worlds better than they were at USC. Jeremy Bates did a great job with him. Adam Gase comes in and they fell apart within a year. And Sam Darnold was never the same. That can't happen to Zach Wilson. That's my number one priority. So I think we've all come to terms that this is a project. When do we start to worry? Is it if we come in next year, week one, and he looks the exact same, like the entire offseason didn't do anything to help him? Should we worry then? Should we give him another half season and then start to worry? When when should we panic? 
the end of next season. You got to give him, he was, again, he was hurt this year. The team was not very talented overall. It's the first year in a new system. You're a rookie. There's a lot to being a rookie. You know, you're moving to a new place. You're getting adjusted to living in a new area. You know, it's, he's been in Utah for most of his life. You know, let's, let's see what he's like when his training camp and his second season is only focused on football. That's why you see guys make the second year leap so much because they're not adjusting to NFL life anymore. It's become their life. And I think that is, you got to give him that whole second year. And then you can start to worry going into year three, if things don't look like they're getting any better, but I still don't think going into year three, you're ready to pull the plug. If things aren't going any better, you got to give him that another opportunity to improve. And if at the end of year three, things haven't gotten any better, that's when you potentially look for something else. But I don't even want to start talking about that because I want to just give the kid his chance now, work through the lumps, because I think this is a different situation than what we've seen in the past. I think this is not a quarterback like Sam Darnold, who you had to fix mechanically and you had to fix mentally. Zach Wilson when he is on is great mechanically and we know can read defenses and has an understanding of coverage and can exploit things when he sees it, when he's on, you're not teaching him nearly as much as you would be teaching somebody else. And I think that I really think that he's going to have a, a great sophomore year. And I would, I would hope that we won't have to worry about these questions in the future because maybe not the first game next year, because first games are always iffy, but I think by the end of next season, we will be happy that Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback and excited to go into 2023. Some, some quick context, uh, since, you know, everybody likes to panic about something. Zach's only in, uh, this was his seventh game. He hasn't even played half yeah. a season yet worth of games. So patience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really, really good context to add in is that we're sitting here saying, oh, by the end of his second season, well, by the end of his second season, he might only have played 22 games. Then that might be, you know, less than a year and a half of total play time. You gotta, you gotta keep everything in context and you just gotta be hopeful, but at the same time, realistic. And to, to end on this note with Zach, before we get into our other points, and I think you guys will agree with this. I don't think there is anything here that has our alarm bells going off with like a five alarm fire to where we're sitting here panicking. Well, this is rust from not playing. This is adjusting to the speed of the NFL. This is handling pressure that he hasn't been used to handling. And it's all of it are things that can be improved. And the number one thing that I'm excited for is that we saw him take coaching in the time off. And even if he overcorrected a little bit and got a little too hesitant, he learned and he didn't make those decisions when the play was breaking down, when he's rolling out, when he's, in crunch time, when it's make or break, he didn't make the bad decision. He threw the ball into the end zone. Like you said, Vitor, he didn't really throw any risky balls into coverage at all. He was able to find the check down on more than one occasion. He just wasn't able to hit throws. He's going to get better when his mechanics get down. And then he's going to be completing a lot of these checkdowns more than just missing them. And his stats are going to look a lot better than they were. Yeah. Couldn't agree more guys. Got to be patient for Zach. Only seven games played. He's raw right now, but I believe he will improve. Yeah, I think we all do. I think that's that's what we're that's where we're at. Is just be patient. Remember that this kid is still young, still learning. The talent is there. He's going to get better with time, but just be patient. That's the most important thing. All right, guys, I think we're good to get into the next topic of the Texans game here, and that is the absolute domination by the defense. Matt, you want to go ahead and lead things off? Go ahead and talk about Quincy Williams since you uh, before we got recording sounded like you had some things to say about him. He had a great game, so go ahead and break it down for us. Yeah, he was uh, the the highest rated player. Actually, he's tied with uh, with Nathan Shepard, but Nathan Shepard only had 19 snaps as uh, the highest rated uh, defensive player on the Jets. And he had himself a day. Uh, he was lightning in a bottle. He was flying all over the place. It's kind of be in, before the season started. Uh, we were thinking of Nazardine as the, this guy that would be this hard hitter that if he can only control himself, he he could be great. And that's sort of what Quincy Williams has become. He's this guy that's going to fly around the field. He's going to make his presence felt with every single hit. Everybody's going to get off the ground knowing that they met Quincy Williams. And seeing him and his brother uh, playing together, they, 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 they it's, a, it's a fun thing to watch. There, there are celebrations on sacks. It's, it's really good. And I think the rest of the team sort of feeds off that. Um, where maybe before we're like, hey, you know what? 
we need C- we need CJ uh, Mosley to be the guy that everybody feeds off of. But now maybe he doesn't need to be the only person on this defense that the team feeds off of. Uh, the energy that these guys are bringing right now is is through the roof, and it's palpable. You can feel it during the games and when they're on they're on and the pass rush was on today uh we've said this before if there's no pass rush the defense is gonna hurt and it's shown in weeks past where they would just be eaten eaten up left and right but the pass rush was on uh quincy and uh franklin myers who we definitely needed to see a big game from franklin myers to really uh, scratch that itch in the back of our head like uh-oh is this uh another uh, wilkerson situation where we pay the guy and and all of a sudden he drops off the map so having a, a good game from franklin myers was very important uh and from top to bottom everybody showed up and i think it's all because of that pass rush uh they were getting uh, penetration left and right um with the, the cornerbacks uh they were all firing on all cylinders uh, Gidry, Gidry is a guy that we, we talked about last week. Hey, if they want to minimize the effects of done learning on the job and not really being up to snuff, don't play him, put Gidry in as our uh, number two cornerback. And that's what they did. And I think it worked out very well. Yeah, Gidry uh, played great. Not, he played great. Not even just in coverage as a, in run support as well. He was flying around making tackles with a uh, reckless abandonment. Uh, even uh, Elijah Riley, uh, who many people I'm sure don't really know about. He got his first uh, playing time last week against Miami and had a decent game. Then uh, he had put together another great game. Uh, so on all three levels, they all came to play and some might say, Oh, it's just the Texans, but uh, you know what? Hopefully it's something that, uh, that trends. Yeah, honestly, these defense, they lay through the defensive line. It's basically it, right? When the D-line is on, the entire defense is on. And that's what happened against the Texans right there. John Franklin Myers, Kenan Williams, Sheldon Rankins had a nice play on the ground on a run call by yeah, the Texans. Ronnie Blair had a nice bull rush for a sack. And, and the pass rush, it's just everything for this defense because there are a lot of third downs where the Jets are playing cover one man across the board. If the pressure doesn't get there soon, Tyra Taylor would find people. And honestly, the pressure got there often. And besides that, when it didn't, when Taylor was able to quick release it, the Jets' defensive backs provided sticky coverage. They provided stick cover- coverage. Brandon Cooks had a crazy catch on, on Bryce Hall on a hatch where he was there. It was basically the same type of coverage to finish the game, tight on a hitch pattern. And, and it's like when everything works up front for the Jets, everything else just develops better. Quincy Williams is a fantastic story. Elijah Riley is a guy that I have my eyes on. Ashton Davis is starting to get better. And if this defense can go ahead, and just stop the Eagles' ground game next Sunday, which is a tough, tough task. I believe they're gonna they're gonna stack two great performances in a row. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna be the the pessimist here uh, because I think we need to put into context just how bad the Texans' offensive line really is. Um, their starting left tackle that day was Titus Howard, who was so bad when they drafted him in the first round that they traded two first round picks for Laramie Tunsil. And their actual starting left tackle, because he had been since playing left guard uh, for the last uh, season or so, Tunsil was hurt and not uh, playing. Um, and so they moved Titus Howard back out to left tackle. So they had backups in two spots. Uh, their right tackle is Charlie Heck. Uh, he has not been very good for this season at all. He's been one of the lower graded right tackles in the NFL. Uh, this offensive line was really bad. And so the defensive line with as talented as we think they are, they should have played like this. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that they did. And I'm not trying to take anything away from any of the talented plays that we saw. I thought JFM had two, three really, really good plays. Um, and Saxon his interception played well in the run game. Quinnen Williams is Quinnen Williams. I don't need to say anything else about him. He's a, a star. Um, but guys like Ronnie Blair coming in and getting a bull rush, I'm not going to sit there and say that, that's going to happen against the Eagles offensive line. Like it did against Titus Howard. I'm, I'm a little skeptical there. Um, Overall, the defense played really well and they played uh, the linebackers in particular, Quincy Williams, like you mentioned, Matt uh, CJ Mosley as well played 
excellent in coverage. They did barely gave up anything in coverage when they did, it was a short completion. They were able to wrap up. Um, that is something we haven't seen from them most of the year uh, was their ability to lock up in coverage. We've been waiting. I've said for, you know, a weeks ago, I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember saying uh, the beginning of the season when Quincy Williams was first playing that I thought his potential in coverage was sky high because of his athleticism and that if he could learn to cover the same way he learns to run and hit that he could be really, really good. And this game, it started to look like that where he was really in coverage. He's being more disciplined. He's, he's seeing it when he sees it and he's right, he's triggering, but his his eyes are getting better. He could be the guy that we wanted Sherwood and Nazarene to be. Uh, I mean, he's playing like it uh, right now. He is. And, and I don't see any reason why you wouldn't continue or hope to keep him on the team. Um, especially let alone being Quinn and Williams brother. That's an awesome story. And you would love to see that happen. I think he's deserved his chance to continue. Um, yeah, I agree with everything else you guys said the Trevor Riley. I'll real quick. Uh, I know Robert Sala mentioned in his press conference that they really like him and his potential that he's been on their practice squad and has been like leading the team in interceptions on the practice squad all year. And so they think he's getting a shot and he's going to be doing better. Ashton Davis is playing better. Uh, I could have swore Bryce Hall tipped that touchdown to Brandon cooks and it landed in his arms. I would have to go again and see the slow-mo, but I swear Bryce Hall gets his arm up and it bounces down and deflects off his arm and lands in Brandon cooks chest somehow. Um, yeah, I don't know. The defense played really well. I'm very happy with them overall. I'm just worried that this was an inferior opponent and especially a really bad offensive line. And the Eagles offensive line, as we'll get into here soon, is no freaking joke. And I really think it could be a night and day situation. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, but one thing I want to note is how much uh, the defensive coaches have realized what they have in the talent around them. And they're making uh, changes the changes that we kind of wanted them to make. Uh, they saw what Gidry could do and they put Gidry in, in an extended role. They took their prized free agent, uh, Jared Davis and put him back on the bench for Quincy because they know that Quincy is his fireball. Uh, so they're making changes, even though the, it might hurt them in, in the, in the pocketbook uh, because they are paying Jared Davis as a free agent and they're giving time to this, uh, this guy that they just pulled off the, off the streets and Quincy. Uh, so they're willing to make the changes despite what it looks like. Yeah. It was good to see. It was good to see just a quick point before I ended up good to see Gidry and Williams getting, getting the nod over those guys that were playing worse than them. Right. This is, this is something good, good to see from, from the staff. I really didn't think they were going to play Gidry at this game. I thought they're going to give Don Andrea, and I was said in the last podcast that we thought that Dunn was a long-term yeah. outlook for them, right? But really, Gidry is also a long-term outlook. The guy can play outside cornerback. He's a movable piece in that defense. He's a really, really interesting player. And Quincy Williams right now, just highlighting what you guys said, he is the story of this defense at this point of the season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll, I'll echo both of those things. I think Gidry played fantastic, quite honestly. Uh, I, he didn't allow a single reception in coverage. He had some great plays in the run game and they've put him in a multitude of different uh, situations and positions over this season. He's played well at all of them. I, I just, those are the type of guys, especially as an undrafted player that, you know, you make it onto your team. Those are the guys you want to see stick. And I really think that this was the, the night and day situation of, Gidry comes in and plays fantastic and Dunn comes in the weeks before and gets completely and totally picked on. I, I'm, I don't think Gidry's, I, I think he is going to be, he might, Brandon Eccles might not get his job back if he, if he's able to come back next season and, uh, or if he comes back before the end of the year, I honestly don't remember if he's out for the year or not, but if he is, uh, Gidry's going to lock that job down. And I really think that he could go into next season, the two of them fighting for that job. The jets have options at corner and I don't think anyone expected that. I mean, there are limitations with Gidry. He is only 5'9". Uh, so his most natural position is in the slot. But we have all-world corner uh, Michael Carter there. So he's kind of being a jack-of-all-trades uh, and doing what he's asked to do. And he's just going to keep doing it because that's what he does. Even against uh, the, the Bills when he... Uh, gave up those uh, two passes in a row to Diggs. You know, one was wasn't a completion, but even still, in both those instances, his coverage was pretty good. Diggs is just all world, so he he's going to make all world catches. Uh, I I love Gidry before the season, and I want to continue to see him on the field. 
Yeah, I think so too. And honestly, I think he will because I don't think Robert Sala really cares how tall he is. I, I would think that from the Seattle tree that he would be more into the the taller, longer outside corners and the Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner mold. But we saw him play Jason Verrett outside in San Fran and he played fantastic and they were perfectly fine doing that. Jason Verrett's not much bigger than Gidry, if at all. I, I mean, they're pr- practically the same build. So if Gidry can play, I, I, I think he can play. I'm no player is going to be perfect and every player is going to have their weaknesses and their bad matchups. No, you know, no one has is immune to their kryptonite, but I, I, that's his level of speed and his physicality for his size. I think he can play outside. No problem. Agree. 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 All right, guys, let's get into our last point of the Texas game here. Uh, Texans game, excuse me. That is going to be the run game. I think the run game played great. They faced a lot of loaded boxes. Uh, I think I saw something on Twitter where they had over 100 yards when they were facing eight-man fronts uh, throughout the day against the Texans. That is great from the offensive line. Tevin Coleman played really well. Um, I, yeah, the the offensive line is improving in the run game. I want to see them get better in pass protection, but hopefully that will improve over the next couple of seasons. But we're seeing the the fruits of John Benton paying off. They are getting better in the ground game. As the season's gotten on, they're getting more familiar with these concepts. They're getting more chemistry together. They're hitting them better. Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a in the all pro discussion by the end of his second season, uh, you know, they got some pieces here and when Makai Becton gets back, it, it's going to get even better. Um, when Michael Carter gets back, it's going to get even better. Uh, I really, I really think that they are going to, they're going to continue to get better, especially when, as, again, the Texans defense may not be that imposing, but eight man boxes are eight man boxes. And if you can run on that, that's talent. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And honestly, this running game is now starting to play out like I expected before the season. I was, I, I was impatient early. I should be more patient because it's it's football, right? It, 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 these guys they needed time to gel together to understand the scheme. It's not easy. It, it's complete difference to what the Jets used to run. And now Lafleur is just throwing in new new wrinkles. We're seeing a lot of more jet sweeps. We've seen a lot more of pimple runs inside zones the jets are doing a bit of everything right they're not a one-dimensional running game offense right now and i'm just i'm really glad that's happening and that lafleur understands its importance the jets after the first half where wilson was struggling lafleur was determined lafleur said i'm going to run the ball i'm going to run the ball and the jets ran the ball a lot more in the second half it worked and that's all they need for zach wilson right Got an easy Wilson into the game and running game helps it for a young quarterback. It helps him to get those easy throws. It helps him to see that the offense working and he can relax a bit. So I believe they have a big test coming up against the Eagles this week. The Eagles have a good deal line. We're going to break it down soon. But I'm really happy with the O-line performance against against Houston. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say, like Michael Fleur, uh, re- realizing what he needed to do to help his quarterback out who wasn't having his best game and he did it with the run game and, and they executed. That's, that's a big thing too, is that they executed. Uh, and it, it's, it's great to see. But one thing that I think we would all uh, agree on is these running backs need to get a lot better in pass pro uh, because Ty, uh, Ty Johnson uh, was, was not good at all. He gave up that sack in the red zone on that, uh, that whip, play with more um the, none of these guys have really stepped up to the plate to be to fill the shoes of michael carter uh as a uh, as in pass protection yeah no um i'm right there with you i love todd johnson I, and i think that he is a valuable piece to the rotation but if you are going to be passing the football and you are going to be asking your running back to pass protect i want literally anybody else on the roster in pass protection that that's he's just not good at it. It's not something he can do. He's much more valuable as a receiver out of the backfield than he is trying to block. So I would really hope that with Michael Carter out, that we see more Tevin Coleman in as the pass blocker. Uh, I think he's a little bigger, a little tougher, a little more experienced. Um, and you'll eliminate those plays uh, where you get sacked in the red zone because Ty Johnson can't even remotely slow down a defensive uh, defensive end pass rushing. Um you're a running back. You're going to have to pass protect. This is the NFL. It's it's it is what it is. And some guys are better at it than others. Some guys are more valuable as receivers. And I think Ty Johnson is one of those, but you, at some point you're going to have to do it. And if you can't, you got to get somebody in there that can, um, that's it's pretty much as simple as that. If not, uh, the, if not release him into the, and in, out in the route, don't even ask him to pass protect, just go five in protection. If that's what you're going to do. But, um, 
I hope that we will see a change there. Uh, overall, I think we're all really happy with the run game. Um, real quick, I want to mention that Tevin Coleman as a runner, I think played really well. Uh, he had a couple opportunities to the edge, get some yards. There's a couple of times with him where, where and you can see it himself, where he knows it, where he's a step away from like taking one for 60 where he's going to burst through the hole at top speed and he just loses his footing or he gets knocked off contact or, or something like that happens. And, and he gets a, a seven yard gain and he's sitting there lying on the ground. He looks up and he knows that he could have had a bigger gain. I, I think that he could break one or uh, one or two in the coming weeks as he gets more opportunities. Um, I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, you know, it's not a guy that's going to be here for the future, but for the next four weeks, I think the jets running game can still be effective. We'll see this week against the Eagles. Well, I think this is a good transition to get into the Eagles right away. Um, this game is going to be won and lost in the trenches. This is a tough, tough matchup on both sides of the ball. The Eagles offensive line is absolutely loaded. The Eagles defensive line is talented in their own right. This is going to be a test for the Jets trenches. Are they going to be able to stop the run? Are they going to be able to hold up and pass protection? Uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, start staying with the offensive line in the run game and with their ability to uh, win in the trenches here. Let's go ahead and talk about them and pass protection. Vitor, what can we expect? from this Eagles pass rush and how can we slow it down? Yeah, the Eagles defense, they, they're playing really well. They are, as people like to say, they're very vanilla, right? In the sense they they don't disguise much and that's that may be a good thing for Zach Wilson, but they, just like the Jets defense, they leave through the D-line. They have Fletcher Cox, who's very good. They have a couple of pass rushers who are good, Sweat, and they they gave trouble to, to the Giants who also couldn't move the ball against them. And it's going to be a tough task. I think Morgan Moses is playing hurt right now. He limped a couple of times in last, in the last game. He, he missed a couple blocks in pass protection. I honestly think he's playing hurt right now. Uh, our doctor at right guard, he's missing a block or two per game. So those guys who have to hold the, the, the game, both offensively and defensively will be one a loss on the trenches. As you said, Andrew, but the Jets must run the ball against the Eagles. For that, they got to contain Fletcher Cox and the edges. And defensively, the Jets will have to stop the Eagles' ground game. It will be a game where Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, like the positions that they like, they love to invest, the positions they all talk about most. O-line will D-line, it will be put to test. Don't forget that the Jets and Eagles, they had joint practice in August, and everybody yeah. said that the Eagles were clearly the better team then. I want to see it right now. I want to see it right now with this O line better with this. I know that the Jets defense is worse because of the injuries, but with this defense with Quincy Williams, CG Mosley firing up, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it would be nice if we have Huff back this week as well. Uh, I We were hoping that we would have him back for the Houston game, but that was not to be. Um, but this offensive line that we're going to be going against is a monster offensive line. I would say that they're only second to Indianapolis in uh, the talent that we're going to face. Uh, and I don't really like the prospects uh, uh, unless our defense pulls something out of their, out of a hat uh, that we haven't seen yet against top tier talent. Uh, yeah. They could probably beat up on the Houston's of the league, but this, this line that they're going to face with uh, Jordan uh, Melata, Lane Johnson, uh, Landon Dickerson, uh, the, the, oh, Jason Kelsey, how can I yeah, say that? Jason Kelsey, <laughs> yeah, former <laughs> All-Pro Jason Kelsey. Can't forget about him. There's so many stars on this offensive line. I can see them just having their way with our defense all day. Uh, zero pass rush, zero uh, stopping the, the run. I, I, I can see this being a blowout easily. Yeah, let alone the the talent of the Eagles offensive line, as you just laid out, the the sheer amount of ass kickers that they have on that front. This is a terrible schematic matchup for the Jets because the Eagles run game. It's very similar to the Colts, as you would expect, considering Sirianni was on the Colts staff before. It's a bunch of power. It's a bunch of trap. It's a bunch of pulling guards, misdirection, down blocks, taking advantage of over aggression. It is the last thing the Jets want to be going up against. And they have a talented offensive line doing it. This just this is going to be a tough test, not only for the defensive line themselves, but for the Jets coaching staff, because if they sit there and tell their defensive line, go be aggressive. Still go out and hit it, hit it hard. Try and try and get in the gaps. You're either going to have to be really, really, really fast and really, really good at it to blow plays up before they happen, which is not easy. Or you're going to have to sell them the opposite. And you're going to have to say, sit back, be passive, get and contain, hold your gap, you know, 
play a little more passive than aggressive. And that's not what the Jets defense likes to do, especially not on the defensive line. But we've seen what happens when they go against teams that play like this and they play that aggressive style. They get destroyed on the ground. And the Eagles just had another big game. They're averaging over 150 rushing yards a game right now. They had another big game against uh, against the Giants where they were killing it on the ground. And it's not just their running back. Jalen Hurts is just as big a part of that as anybody else. And let alone containing him in the passing game and letting him from escaping to the edges and getting pressure on him, you got to factor him in the run game too. And that's another guy you got to account for that's different than a normal team. When you're a normal team and you're looking at the guys that you got to account for uh, in your run fit, you got the offensive lineman, any tight ends, then the running back. You're not counting for the quarterback in the run fit. Now you have to. You have to account for him either keeping the ball or you got to, if he does keep the ball, you got to account for the running back acting as an extra blocker or hurts in misdirection. This is, this is going to be a tough, tough task for this defense and it's going to be really interesting to see how they respond they played good against houston i like cj mosley's messaging of whatever you did this week do it more you can't do the same thing and expect the same result you got to be better they got to be better this is going to be a tough task we'll get into the the jets offensive line next but i'm this is the matchup of the day for me i think if the if the eagles offensive line comes out and steamrolls that there's going to be no shot yeah honestly and unfortunately i could see something very similar to the colts game as you said they yeah. just running the football at the Jets' wheel. It's going to be hard to stop. It's counter. It's power. It's everything. It's Aiden Hurts. It's Miles Sanders. It's Boston Scott. And it's going to be a tough one. For the D-line, I, I just tweeted, they have two options. They either stay home, right, and they don't attack the backfield and get kicked out on every play, or they penetrate the backfield just like using Bolt, like the fastest man in the universe, yeah. and tackle those guys. They're running backs for a loss. If the Jets penetrate and don't get there on time, man, oh man, they are in trouble. Yeah, they will be in, in big time trouble. And there can be opportunities, like you said, where you can shoot a gap and get there. If you're going to have pulling guards, if you can have one of your defensive tackles slip behind the pole and backdoor something, or you can have, uh, if you can beat a down block and, and beat uh, somebody to the hole as a linebacker on a pulling guard, but you got to be quick and you got to be right. Because if you guess wrong and the play is a counter or a trap or something else, then it's a huge play. And, and that's where this, these, this scheme is so dangerous to the jets. And it might just be something that they struggle with while they, this is the coaching staff and the style of defense. They run everything. Like I said before has its kryptonite and has its downfalls. That's not just players that accounts the scheme too. This is not a good matchup. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the coaches respond. We just mentioned that they've been doing better and seeing what they have and utilizing it to the best of their abilities. And they definitely have been over the last couple of weeks. We'll see if it continues against the Eagles because it's going to be a different way than normal. The last few weeks, it's been coverage. Now it's going to be the front. What do they do in the front to make things difficult? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I am not very hopeful. I, I, I really don't see them play having a really good game against, uh, against this offensive line. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I, I really don't either. Uh, and I think this is going to transition me into a good point to end on. Um, what can we expect from the offense and Zach Wilson and the offensive line to potentially win a game that could be a high scoring game that the Eagles offense may be able to be churning and the defense may not be able to bail out this offense like they were last week. What is gonna, What are they going to be able to do to respond? Uh, like Vitor, you said, this is a vanilla defense. And I think that's going to play into Zach Wilson's hand because he's not going to be having to decipher coverage as much. He's going to be able to just read what's in front of him and, be able to make quick decisions, but if his mechanics aren't set because the pressure is getting there, then, you know, this is going to be, this could be ugly. Uh, it could be really ugly. So I would think uh, I'd love to hear what you guys would think is, as the number one thing to do to try and help out Zach Wilson. And I think we already talked about it. It's run the football and see if you can't back this defense off, back off this defensive line with all of their talent. If they can pin their ears back and just come after Zach Wilson, it's not going to be a good day. So I would say you got to be the tougher men in the trenches on offense just as much as you got to be the tougher men in the trenches on defense. See, yeah. but at the same time, it's not going to be that easy against this this defensive line with uh, Hargrave and Cox and, and uh, Barnett and uh, Sweat. These guys are monsters as well. and. If yeah, if we're not able to do it in the in the past game, we're gonna have to uh, lean on the run. And they're not very uh, they don't have many holes in their game when it comes to stopping the run as well. So we're gonna need to get creative here. Uh, I I don't know what Lafleur has in his bag of tricks, but he might need to bring him out this game. Yeah, I, I honestly believe the Jets are gonna try and run the football early, 
I don't know if it's going to work, but they got to try and do it. They cannot go and straight drop back Zach Wilson early in the game against that front four. They got to run the ball. If it's not working, be creative, get some bubble screens to Elijah, the bubble screens that, that they are working. You know, Elijah in the perimeter is a good way to attack the Eagles. The Eagles don't have fantastic linebackers. They have a great front four, but their linebackers are not fantastic. And also got to find a way to involve, I honestly believe, Jameson Crowder more in the middle of the field because he's a guy that Wilson needs to start to hook up more. Mike White looked up to Jameson Crowder. Joe Flacco Crowder is a reliable guy over the middle, work on the quick game. I, I believe that running game, screens, and the middle of the field passing game can be something to start things against these Eagle, Eagles' very powerful front four. Yeah, uh, you you attack them the same way the teams attack the Jets because it's a very similar style of defense. Uh, it's aggressive front four, simple coverages behind it, play fast and loose and aggressive. You know, screens are a good way. I like the bubble screens to Elijah Moore. Um, I completely agree that they're going to have to get Crowder involved because there's a chance Keelan Cole's out for this game. He was placed on the COVID list today. So Corey Davis is rehabbing an injury. We don't know his status yet, whether he's going to be playing. Keelan Cole is potentially missing the game with COVID. Denzel Mims is still coming back. I think he's set to practice this week. And I would expect if Keelan Cole's out that they would really be pushing him to play, but it's going to be his first game back. And uh, we saw some things out of him that I never expected uh, in the few weeks that he was getting his opportunities. You know, this could be a receiving core that that is is down a little bit. And it's going to be up to guys like Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder to really carry the load. Uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, Crowder would be the guy I would look for because I think teams are going to be, especially the Eagles, if if Keelan Cole and Corey Davis aren't playing, I expect the Eagles to be all over Elijah Moore. So I would be looking for Crowder. Yeah, Crowder, uh, and yeah, hopefully if we see, if yeah, if we see Mims, uh, he's back to the the big play uh, Mims that we that we really hope to see. Uh, he, I think he was struggling with a, a finger injury a little earlier before the whole COVID thing. Um, so it'd be nice to see if he's uh, just completely healthy. And just to see if he's able to ball out. I hadn't heard anything about the finger injury, but that makes a lot of sense to me because my biggest issue with him is that all of a sudden he started body catching everything when he always had really good hands and never was a body catcher uh, in college. He was able to extend and, and make hand catches all the time. And then he had that drop touchdown against the Colts where it was wide open in the back of the end zone and it hits him in the chest and it bounces because he body catches it. If his, he had a finger injury, that makes a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense why he feels like he can't be hands catching as easily if his finger is hurt. So hopefully uh, that is the case, because if not, that really confused me. I'm kind of I'm never happy to, to hear that a player is hurt, but that makes a lot of sense to me as to why he was doing what I couldn't understand before. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would much rather him just be hurt than learning horrible habits. Yeah, like that. absolutely. Absolutely. You can come back from an injury and be yourself again. You can't. It's a lot harder to come back from a bad habit. All right, guys, let's wrap this thing up. Let's get into some score predictions for the Eagles game and get on out of here. As always, I will go ahead and lead things off. Uh, as we alluded to, this could be a very tough matchup in the trenches. Um, I, and it's no surprise that the Eagles are built the way they are. Uh, Joe Douglas spent some time in Philadelphia. They prioritized the trenches for years. Before that, he was in Baltimore. It was the same thing. You know, this is this is a team that's in the mold of what Joe Douglas wants the Jets to be, uh, especially considering his, I believe one of his last years was the Eagles was their Super Bowl win. You know, that team is is the the goal. That's the model. Uh, and you looked at it like uh, we had mentioned before in training camp when they had the joint practice, people were saying the Eagles were the better teams because they're further along in their development. And I think we're going to see the results of that here. Um, I have it as 27-17 Eagles. I think the Jets offense is going to do enough to stay somewhat in the game, but I just think they're not going to have the time of possession with the way the Eagles run game is going to play. I don't expect Jalen Hurts to really dice them up through the air. I just think this is going to be kind of like the Colts game where they give up like 200 rushing yards, and that's going to be the story of the day. I'm, I'm expecting Zach Wilson to hopefully play better. I'm a little worried about the pass rush. Um, but I think that this is something that he can address and that he can really dial in on because he's, he's got the mentality, right? And that was the biggest thing for what we had all said for weeks of him being out is learn to take the easy stuff. Don't throw dumb balls into coverage. Don't make stupid decisions. Don't try and force things. And, and he's doing that. He's making the right decisions. He just needs to hit the throws. I think he can improve with that. I think he'll play better overall, but I'm really worried about this matchup. I think the Eagles offensive line is too talented and I think they're going to end up winning 27, 17. Yeah, I, I am not going to be as gracious as you. Uh, I think this is going to be a blowout. 
Uh, I think uh, Zach's probably very happy that he didn't come back this game uh, because it would. I think it's going to be sloppy all around. Uh, I don't think that the offense is going to be able to stay on the field very long. Uh, I think there's just too much firepower out uh, with Cole probably out with the uh, uh, CD pro- uh, probably out as well. No, Michael Carter. Uh, I don't think he's going to have enough to lean on. And I don't think this offensive line is going to hold up against that defensive line. And then our defense is just going to get eaten up up front and they're not going to get any pass rush and it's going to reverberate uh, throughout the entire defense. Um, and they're just going to get tired because the offense is probably going to be off the field very quickly. Uh, I'm going to say 38, seven. Wow. Well, <laughs> I believe that 38, seven is a lot. It would be a disaster. Yeah. Honestly, I, I agree with you guys. I feel like the Eagles will be able to get those long, sustained drives, right? But I don't think they'll be ex- as explosive as the Colts were running the football. I'm going to say the Eagles are going to score 27 points, three touchdowns and two field goals, and the Jets are going to be able to run the football well, but just not as well as the Eagles. So they're going to score only 21 points, 27, 21 for the Eagles, but it's not going to be as bad as Matt's predicting. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. We uh, sounds like me and you are pretty much in lockstep with twenty-seven from the Eagles, and I had it a seventeen Jets. You had it a twenty-one Jets. Uh, Matt is the the pessimist here, and I thought I was the pessimist going into this week, quite honestly. Um, so we'll see how things go. I think we're all hoping that this does not turn out to be a blowout. We're hoping for improvement. This is a better team in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, this, they're going through their own issues right now, but they are they're built well. They have players on the team that are talented. We didn't even mention Darius Slay today, uh, and you know he's a great player in the back end. You know, I'm. Th- this could be a tough matchup. Some historical context: we have never beaten the Eagles. That is also true. They are zero and eleven all time against Philadelphia. Yeah. So I and I don't think any of us are expecting history to change this week. Nope. No. All right, guys, that does it for our show this week. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. As always, you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore seventeen on Twitter. Guys, let's go ahead and drop our handles and call it a day. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets, and I'm Vitor, and you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. As always, it is at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you guys go and follow there. Thank you all again so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye. 